This is a sermon I've been waiting to preach for three years. I'm serious, especially from the book of Revelation. We'll get there in a moment. We're continuing our series called uh, Embracing the King's Economy, and it's connected to the idea from our ends statement, our purpose statement, that we want to be known as a people who have three things. We bear the fruit of the Spirit. We are known as a people who are growing in intimacy with the triune God. And we're known as a people who are growing in ever-increasing sacrificial generosity. So this series is around the words embracing the king's economy. So can I have slide number uh, two, please? So you think, what in the world does creation care have to do with the king's economy? So we're talking about creation a bit today, and I think think it might be a bit surprising. And the reason I think it'll be surprising is where we're going to end up. So I want you just as a heads up, the Bible begins in a garden and it ends in a garden in a city. We're gonna run through this together, but I want you to be mindful of a number of things. Now, I need to be careful. I mean, Mike and I talk on Tuesdays about the service and the offices don't do too much Christianese. So let me just make a couple things clear in non-Christianese. Here's one. When we die... We, traditional Orthodox Christian thought is when we die, our bodies go into the ground. Either we're burned, we're cremated, or we're buried, and our spirits go be with the Lord. Yes? We believe in what's called the resurrection of the dead. And someday Christ will return. He will return in bodily form. And when he returns in bodily form, those who have died in Christ will come out of the ground and be given new bodies. Now, why is that important? Because you will live on this earth, this earth, which has been renewed and transformed. You will need a body. So what we're going to focus together is what happened at the beginning, what happens at the end. Ooh, and there's a bit of a problem in the middle. And where I want to end up in chapter 21 of Revelation is why I have so much hope in this last 16 months. So many people have so many opinions about so many things, and my opinions count very, very little. But the opinion of our God about what is to come to me is the thing I cling to. And I hope you can cling with me this morning at the end. So let me give you a, just a heads up. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 1. So slide 2 first, and then Genesis chapter 1. Here's my sentence I organize my sermons around a sentence. Here's the sentence for today. The intentional care of the physical world is a central aspect of the king's economy. What we do with this planet, let me just give you, I'm going to play a little bit with you, so hang on. So oftentimes you watch a football game, somebody holds up a sign, John 3.16, For those of you who don't know what the sign means, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not for. For God so loved the world. The world is the earth. For God so loved the terra firma. For God so loved the planet that he gave his son. Let me just play with some more. Not only will our bodies rise when Jesus returns, Listen, and so will a broken earth. There is a resurrection. We believe in the resurrection of the dead. So how Revelation ends is from the skies, from the heavens, from somewhere, there is a new heaven and a new earth. 
So I say it again. You're going to need a body, a physical body. And the body will be like Jesus' body when he rose from the dead. Why do you need a physical body? Because you'll be living on this earth. A renewed and transformed. I'll explain that in just a moment. So why do I have help no matter what happens? I have been clinging for the last 16 months that one day Jesus will return and he will make all things right and new. And no matter what happens here now, and in regards to five billion people's opinions, there's one opinion that counts. And the king will come back and he'll make all things right. And there'll be something so glorious we can't even get our heads around it. And that's what I long for and that's what I'm trying to aim us toward and that's what we want to be clinging to. Is there an amen here this morning? So Genesis chapter one, now let me take you through an interesting take on Genesis one. And I'm gonna, I'm, if you'll forgive me, I don't like to do this very often, but I'm gonna play a little bit of Hebrew with you this morning. So I'm gonna just, here's a heads up. The word said can be translated sung. And the word good can be translated beautiful. So Genesis chapter one, I'm gonna just read a few sections of it. Genesis chapter one, verse one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, quick time out. For the ancient Near Eastern people, this was a stunning first sentence because it wasn't a male God and a female God having sex to create some kind of a recreation. This is a God who ex nihilo creates everything out of nothing. That first sentence is critical. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Everything else is commentary. Verse two, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And I'm gonna give you the alternate translation here today, just, just, just to make it fresh. And God sang, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was beautiful. Now let me just, just look up for one second here. I'm gonna pause. So here's this God who out of nothing creates. He sings, he says, and there's something, and it is beautiful. So this is what I think the Hebrew text implies. God is going, that's awesome. I'm doing good work. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but I'm not. He said it is beautiful. What he created is beautiful. Now, quick time out. So what we're living on, this little tiny planet, is beautiful to God. He takes delight in this beautiful thing he's created. Let's go on a little farther. The next one. Go down to verse 9. Here we're the second day. And God said, God sang, let the water under the sky be gathered together in one place. Let dry ground appear, and it was so. God called the dry ground land, and the gathered waters he called seas, and God saw that it was beautiful. And I wonder if he just went, wow, I did good work. Verse, uh, let's go down to verse, uh, let's go to 11. God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seeds in it, according to various kinds, and it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seeds in it according to their kinds, and God saw that it was beautiful. 
Verse 14. God said, let there be light in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. Let there be lights in the vault of the sky to give them light. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day, the lesser night to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, to separate the light from darkness. And God saw that it was beautiful. Verse 20, and God said, let the water teem with living creatures, let the birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves about it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was beautiful. Verse 25, let's go 25. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was beautiful. Verse 26, let us make man in our image. It goes on down to verse 31. And God saw all that he had made. Now it changes. It is very beautiful. There was evening, there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. On the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. The only time, the first time the word holy is used in the Bible, and made it holy. The earth is holy. The day is holy. Because he rested from all the work creating that he had done. So on the seventh day, if he, he stopped. Now I want you to, I want you to, I'm going to push into this a little bit. I'm going to read some, a couple things to you. I want you to ask yourself the question, do you believe God has feelings? I mean, I'm talking feelings, deep feelings. So when he sees this creation, he has feelings of delight. He says, this is beautiful. And then he creates people in all that he's created, and he says, it's not just beautiful, it's very beautiful. Beautiful. And on the seventh day, he doesn't need to rest. What do you think he's doing? He is looking at the creation and he is amazed at the beauty of what he's created. Why do we care about creation? Because God loves his creation and delights in it. Why do we go to places of nature? We have these moments. Is this fair? We have these moments. You can see an incredibly beautiful cornfield a mammoth ocean, gigantic mountains, animals that are just, sometimes you just go, wow. In that moment, we are having something like what God felt when he created a beautiful, beautiful world. Let me give you a picture for that. Here's the picture that I um, found in a, in a book uh, called The King's Economy. I think it's slide number four, please. So this is, this is Genesis 1 and 2 in a picture form. The one creator God made all things. He sets humanity over his good creations, and he says, be fruitful and multiply. Spread the blessing over the whole earth. That's the purpose, Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. Now just hold that. In, Genesis, in Revelation 21, you have the same thing. The Bible starts and ends the same thing. So you have this beautiful thing, but something happens to mar it all. So may I have slide, please, number five? Let's go to Romans 8. But the, sadly, the earth has been marred by the effects of sin. So Romans chapter 8, 
Perhaps you've read this before and are mindful of it, perhaps not. I want to read just a few verses. Chapter 8, verses 18 through 23. And Mike alluded to it after we sang our first song. This verse kind of alludes to that. I, can, I consider that our present sufferings, Romans 8, verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Sometimes the mystery, sometimes we can be taken care of and we're going to understand. But I want to stop now and talk about creation. So Genesis chapter 3, Genesis 1 and 2, we just read, we just talked about. Genesis 3, sin enters the picture. And now sin mars all of creation. Let me tell you a story that I told years ago, and then I'm going to come back to a second one. This is from South Africa. When I was in seminary, Fuller Seminary, one of the professors asked, was asked by some students from Africa to go to the nation from which they were from to teach some courses. The professor went with the students back to Africa. It was back in, far back into the, the more remote areas of this particular country. And as they were sleeping at night, they heard this eerie, eerie sound. It was just creepy. And the, the professors from Fuller didn't know what to do with it. So they asked the students, what is that sound? And they said, the ground cries out. In the Old Testament, when innocent blood is taken, the ground cries out. Let me just ask a question. Are the ways in this nation we've taken innocent blood? Do you know what I'm talking about? The sin of abortion. And the ground cries out. So sin has marred creation. Well, look what happens in Romans 8, verse 19. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. When? When Jesus returns the second time. For the creation was subjected to frustration. Creation, the earth, the planet, the animals, the trees, the water, subjected to, to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of one who subjected it and hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay. The creation will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Look at that phrase. The creation will be liberated from bondage to decay. Just like our bodies. Last week, our brothers, my brothers and I are taking turns visiting, taking care of our parents. My dad's 88, my mom's 80, 80, 90, 88. And I'm watching their bodies just decay in all kinds of ways. As we age, our bodies decay. So does the earth. It groans in frustration, waiting for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. What's he talking about? When Christ returns and there is this resurrection when the bodies in the ground come out, the creation will be resurrected. Think about this. I believe, Apostles' Creed, we believe in the resurrection from the dead, but it's not just people. It's also creation. It all, and it's, the creation is groaning. It is groaning in frustration, waiting, 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 for the sons of God to be revealed. Look at the next verse, verse 22. 
we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. So the next picture, slide six. So we have sin enters the picture. We have a God who blesses humanity. Sin enters the picture. In Genesis 3 on, there is cursing. Curses released across the land. Curses released across the planet. And let me just put, just put my opinion in the season we're living in now. My opinion is worth nothing. Here's my opinion. If I read the book correctly, as we move closer to the end of time, we should expect higher and higher levels of lawlessness, disobedience, and rebellion. It's in the book. We should not be surprised where we are today. Because the curses that have come from Genesis 3 have been expressed for centuries. We have rebelled. We have rebelled against the king and his ways. But there is good news. Slide number seven. Now I'm going to go to Revelation. There is good news. God is guiding both history and the earth toward an incredible renewal and transformation. So could you turn to Revelation chapter 21? Now before I read it, I'm going to just read a couple comments for you here. And I wrote these notes this morning. We're going to read just a moment about a new heaven and new earth. In what sense is it a new heaven and new earth? I'm going to read it to be very precise. In the Greek text, there are two words for new. One is kainos, and the other is neos. The word used here is kainos. Kainos is, it's the same heaven and the same earth, but it is renewed and it is transformed. So what the text is going to say is coming down from heaven is a, coming down is a new heaven and a new earth. Same heaven, same earth, renewed and transformed. So let's go to the text now. Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and first earth had passed away. Meaning what? Where we are now. It's, something, it's changed. It's passed away. Something new is in its place. And then he says, I saw a holy, the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's, peop God's dwelling place is now among people, and he will dwell with them. They'll be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order, the old earth, the old heaven has passed away. The old things have passed away. So let me talk about this just a little bit and then come back to it. So let, let, let's, I'm going to read a couple clear statements. An understanding of creation and new creation are the bookends of Scripture. Creation, new creation. That, that, that is what holds the whole story together. In that story, the people of God are not just to talk about the wonder of creation, of salvation. We also need to talk about the wonder of creation. Because Say it again. You need a body. Because you're going to be on an earth. Salvation is not just salvation. It's salvation and creation. And they're both together. When the fullness of new creation comes with the turn of King Jesus, it will be a restoration of the whole cosmos. Here's a sentence. 
We do not care for creation simply because we look back to the Garden of Eden. We care for creation because we look forward to the resurrection of the cosmos, the liberation of the created world, which is bound up in our life in Christ. Now, like one more sentence, one more paragraph for you. Listen to this. What will this life look like on this new heaven and new earth? We're given clues in the narrative of Scripture. We go from one garden in Eden to a garden in a city. Let me say that again. Genesis 1, we're in a garden. Genesis 21, there's a garden in a city. Why? It's an interesting contrast as God who planted the, planted the garden in Eden, but throughout human history, it is people who have built cities. So what do we see at the end of the Bible? We see a combination of the one who created the creation and all people, partnering with people in a city. You've come full circle with God. The fact that our final home is a garden within a city brings together all that God has made and all that we've ever achieved. Someday, all things will be right. All things. Your best day on this planet cannot compare with what is to come. That's why St. Paul said in Romans 8.18, the sufferings of this life cannot compare with the glories. That be. I just want you to think about this. I want you to think about the best day you ever had in creation. Think about the best day you ever had with people. It will not compare what is to come. Why do we care for creation? Because this, let me say it again, you, those who are in Christ, those who are in Christ will live on this planet, new and transformed forever. But those who reject Christ is not the same. That's, did you just blow your mind? So I've told you, I've not been, I've been on this passage, this Revelation 20 for three years. In that season, in that season, three years ago, if you remember, we were doing, we, together we were doing something called kingdom community. And in that season, about 16 months or so, several hundred families lost a loved one in that season. And I told you, Revelation 21 is what I've been clinging to because I am waiting for the day when a new heaven and a new earth come together. It's going to be beyond comprehension. And we have opportunities. The scriptures, what does this mean? The scriptures say we're going to reign and rule with Christ. Where? Somehow here. What does that mean? I don't know what it means. We're, we're, going, to do, we're going to be like Jesus. We're going to be, have a body like Jesus. We can, we can be in this room, and all of a sudden we can be somewhere else. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. We can be all over the universes. Everybody says this week, there are billions, hundreds of billions of galaxies which we know nothing of. The scientists are just, just guessing about. You're going to have a body that will allow you to do all of this all over all kinds of ways and places in a new heaven and a new earth. Who doesn't want to be a part of this? Why do I want to go to hell? Why would anyone want to go to hell? And a lot of people do. And we have the opportunity to say to people who are making poor decisions heading the wrong direction, do you know what's coming? 
Do you know what's coming? Something is so good and so rich and so beautiful. We're going to be able to say like our creator, it is good. It is beautiful. I want you to do something else. When I was in seminary, one of my professors was old, old, really old. <laughs> old, really old. And uh, his name was Daniel. And somehow we were talking about new creation and all that stuff and all, all kinds of good things. And then with tears in his eyes, he said something different. He said to, this, to us, do you recognize that I know all your names? So when I attended Fuller, it was the large, second largest or largest seminary in the world. And my smallest class, except for preaching, was several hundred students. No one knew anybody. We just, this big, big place. And this particular faculty person asked us to sit in assigned seats. And this is back in the day. He got pictures from the seminary yearbook, cut them out, and put them on pieces of paper. And he memorized where we sat. So in class, he could look and could see us and could say our name. And he said, someday you have to recognize in the midst of all the beauties of creation and all the wonders that are going to come that someday God himself, Revelation 21, he will make his home with us and he will look you in the eye and he will look into your heart and he will know you completely and you will feel love and acceptance like you've never felt before. You will be fully known and fully loved. And we care for this creation because this is our future. This together, this is what we do. This is where we will live, new and transformed and beyond comprehension, but this is it. So we do want to care for it. So how might we do it? Let me go action steps and some neighborhood conversation. Can I have a slide eight, nine for the action steps? Don't come back for neighborhood. Here, here, here are a couple action steps. And I, we were, it was a drought when I turned these first one in. But who knows? How about today to celebrate the wonder of God's creation? If you go with someone, some others, and have a prayer and praise walk. And thank the Lord for his grace. Did you see how we started this morning? Mike read from Psalm 149. All the different aspects of creation are praising the Lord. As we walk through creation, I want you to think about this. Let me just segue just real quick. I'm talking about the living nature, the living aspect of creation. A number of us are reading a book by a man who creates violins and cellos. And this guy is a master violin maker. He goes into the woods of Bavaria and he listens when trees are cut down because he said, a tree sings. When the trees hit the ground, they sing. So what he does is he walks through the Bavarian Alps listening for the trees that sing. Who are they singing to? We read from Psalm 149. All of creation is praising the creator. So if you go on a prayer and praise walk today, just say thank you. 
Thank you for the corn. Thank you for the lake. Thank you for the river. Thank you for, thank you, thank you, thank you. And how about this one? We want to care for creation. This is a silly one, but it's simple. Pick up trash. I often wake quite early, and I often see one of our senior members of our church. I'm I'm going to embarrass him, but honor him. One of our oldest members, not oldest, older, is Jerry Blum. And Jerry walks, he lives by Lincoln School, he walks from Lincoln School down to Pellicorp and back every morning. Between 4.30 and 5. What's interesting about Jerry is he walks like this. You know how long it takes Jerry to walk from Pellicorp? He picks up trash the whole way. I walked behind him and watched. Now let me tell you a story about another country. The country of Rwanda went through a horrible, horrible season of genocide when one tribe killed another tribe. This is what's happening in Rwanda today. They're trying to heal as a nation. So one day, one day a month, the nation of Rwanda shuts down. And everyone in Rwanda is asked to walk and pick up trash in the country. Everyone in the country walks and picks up trash. And along with that, they have what are called reconciliation meetings. When they start to work through the process of asking forgiveness for the ways they've been brutal one to the other. Why do we care for creation? Because we have an amazing creator we want to honor. Why do we care for creation? Because you're going to live here forever. How about neighborhood conversations? Slide eight. Can we take a minute or two? Three, maybe? So here's my neighborhood question for you. How can we practice the king's economy in ways that do two things? We honor the goodness and beauty of our creation, God's creation, and we honor the resurrection destination of Jesus. What can we do to honor the creation and the creator? Can we take like two minutes, and what ways could you do that this week? If you'd like to do it, great. If you don't want to do it, take a nap, pray, do something different. On your marks, get set, go.
All right, thank you for having some conversation. Can I have a slide four and then six again? Lynn just gave a good comment to me. So in Genesis 1 and 2, you see God's creation. God blesses humanity and asks us to bless. Can I have slide six? And then the curse comes. God blesses humanity and then we curse the creation each other. What if a different, another way to, to, to do uh, an action step, Elaine's suggestion to me was, if we are created in the image of God, male and female, he has created us, what if part of our blessing is a verbal blessing? What if we bless each other? The, the ones that God has created. It'd be a little silly. Bless a tree. Now you laugh about it. One of my favorite authors is Eugene Peterson. He said, if you really want to go deep with the Lord, find yourself a tree and sit in front of it and think scripture and prayer and look at a tree over a period of years and let the rootages of the tree and the fruitfulness of the tree become a visual metaphor of what it happens to someone who is deeply rooted in the Lord. What if you bless a tree? So we could do different things. I'm just asking us today to consider praying and praising the creator, blessing a person, or picking out some trash. Let me offer a prayer, and then uh, we're going to sing a song about creation. Lord, we thank you, and we praise you. We bless you that you are such an amazing father who is such an incredible creator. And so for this creation which you have entrusted to us, we give you thanks and praise. We thank you that we, have, we are learning to treat your creation in ever-increasingly beautiful ways. May that be so. And we look forward to the day when you'll return, Lord, when you'll return and make all things right and all things new. When we live in a new heaven and a new earth and you are present among us. No more tears, no more pain, no more suffering. Only the glories of your presence in your life. So we want to say thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.